Welcome to the Control Alt Azure podcast. I'm Yusip. And I'm Tobias. Join us for our journey in the cloud. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Control Alt Azure. Back again. What's up, Yusip? All good here. Um, top of mind for me is stickers. I, I know it's a business critical function, but it's it's part of the thing I do. Well, it's it's a really small part of the things I do at work. But I ordered a lot of stickers, and when I mean a lot, I mean like 800 stickers. So now I've got stacks and stacks of stickers. So I, I put like 10 on my laptop that I know I don't normally do that, but now I had so many. And and I'm now sending those stickers by snail mail to, to people I think would, would appreciate a couple of stickers. So while I'm sorting out these stickers, if, you, if you're listening on this, you can tweet to us. You need to tag Tobias and myself and a hashtag that I'll mention at the end of this, of this episode. And I'll send the first three persons who does that successfully. I'll send the first three persons a sticker. All right. All right. So it's a challenge. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's see how this goes. I, we don't normally do this, but I wanted to try this out. And if this works great, then perhaps I'll come up with something as fun as this one for a future episode as well. So stickers for me, how about for you? So for me, I, I mean, I have a lot of things I'm, I want to share about what I've been up to lately. There's a lot of things going on, but one thing in particular is stargazing or looking at the the stars and finding the patterns and the dif- the different um yeah types of of equipment you can buy for that is kind of justifies my need to uh, to get some more stuff that is um I think they call it an intelligent telescope uh so it's an IoT connected uh, via bluetooth and wifi whatever telescope kind of thing I can use to um, to watch the stars because we have a pretty good view from here um, of the sky. And now when the, the spring summertime is approaching, staying out late, watching the stars is you know pretty fun. At least I think it's pretty fun. But now with uh, Elon Musk shooting up the Starlink internet connectivity with all these interlinked satellites going around the planet, it's also more things to look at. So I want to also catch a, a glimpse of those. So I'm trying to combine my um, my my different things that I want to do. One is, of course, acquire more gadgets, and that's a yeah, telescope, which is intelligent, with built-in GPS and all this stuff. You can just say, "Well, find me, you know, this thing in the sky," and it just redirects by itself. So it kind of eliminates the the professional stargazing out of it, but it introduces more tech, which is awesome. So that's what's up for me. Um, I haven't decided which one to get yet. So if you are tuning in and, and you know something about these devices, you know, feel free to reach out uh, so I get the right one. So I, I mentioned my balcony, I think, on the previous episodes and, and my barbecuing efforts. So I've been thinking of getting a telescope for a couple of years now, not the intelligent ones. I didn't even know those exist, but like a plain old telescope put that on the balcony and then in the evening when the kids are in bed, I could stroll on the balcony with a glass of wine, just gaze at the stars. But my worry has been that my neighbors who can see to my balcony from the surrounding houses, 
they would really think that I'm actually trying to eye on them. Yeah, yeah, you're going to be that, that one being, guy who's yeah. standing with a binocular, you know, <laughs> trying to gaze at the neighbors. <laughs> exactly. So that's been that's stopped me so far. But once once you choose which model you're getting, I I might get some inspiration from that too. Yeah, and obviously you need to reprioritize because you said you're getting a plain one, which indicates that you have to kind of target it yourself. But if there's an intelligent one, we can build an IoT or, or a cloud solution and we can say, you know, at eight o'clock, let's look at the same stars and they can just co-align in different locations. You know, this is the, the endless possibilities I see with this is amazing. Alrighty, so the next five episodes will be about setting up my telescope. It still Stargazing. doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, uh, for for today's episodes, uh, episode, what's uh, Azure Web Application Firewall or VAF? So let's let's start with this super interesting service, which on the surface perhaps might feel a bit boring. It's a firewall. So how would you describe what is WAF? So to put it in as plain terms as I can, I would say that. Uh, WAF or Azure Web Application Firewall, um, it's it's a centralized protection of your web applications. And when I say protection, it comes with protection, I guess, against these common exploits and vulnerabilities. And I, I usually talk about three things, and that's protection, monitoring, and customization, where protection is um, whatever comes your way in terms of bad requests you get protected from that. Monitoring is you get insights to what's going on. And customization is if you want to modify those rules, maybe exclude a rule or include more rules, you can also do that. So with protection, um, you, can, you can pretty much protect your web apps from vulnerabilities. Um, these vulnerabilities can be things like SQL injection protection, um, cross-site scripting, bad HTTP headers, you know, all these things that um, kind of a part of the OWASP top 10. So OWASP or, um, yeah, what's the full name of the uh, the OWASP? Open Web Application Security Standard or something like this? I would guess it's or, that one, yeah. Or projects. I don't, I don't actually recall what, what the full name is. Um, but it's an open project with open standards for protecting against web vulnerabilities. So the long list of things that can go wrong and that are common threats are included in the protection of the web application firewall. So whenever you put a website or function app, an API, whatever it is, um, if you don't protect it with something, it will by default allow all the requests that comes its way. And if you have a SQL server and you're you know, open to SQL injection, then voila, uh, it's a smurgos board for the hackers. So um, back back in the day, we would have a virtual machine or even a physical server that would run IIS. I would perhaps a custom API uh, have deployed there, or just a web server software doing something. And on those days, I would often configure IIS to disallow certain HTTP verbs. I would perhaps uh, remove some of the extensions and the ISAPI filters, all the greatness we had 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Yep. And then we got from Microsoft, then we got ISA server, later on we got threat management gateway as part of the forefront family of products. I don't think that exists anymore except for identity manager. And now with WAF, that's really for running uh, a secure application firewall for anything 
that talks HTTP or HTTPS. That's that's my understanding of BAS. Yeah, and it's well, it's it's for web traffic and exactly what you say, HTTP or HTTPS. If you are running stuff over HTTP, uh, HTTP without TLS or SSL, then perhaps you might want to reconsider that um, for a lot of reasons. Um, but while you're mentioning IIS, one thing that I know the WAF is also capable of is detecting application misconfigurations on IIS. So if you have a hosted web server, that can also be uh, things like Apache, uh, but in this case, you mentioned IIS. So back in the day, we had these other types of protection. Now you can actually use the Azure WAF uh, to detect misconfigurations of that to ensure that it's not by default open to you know, these common threats. So that's also a, a pretty cool benefit uh, of using that. Okay, that sounds really cool. I, I didn't realize it can do that too because my perception of WAF has been that I will put that on the edge of my VNets and within my VNet I might have a virtual machine, uh, a database server, or a web app or a set of APIs hosted on Azure Functions, for example. And then WAF would be between the clients coming from the bad internet or from my own premises or from some other trusted network, then then all traffic would go through WAF, it would do its magic, perhaps figure out if there's SQL injection happening or cross-site scripting that shouldn't really be happening. It would drop those packages and requests and allow everything else through. But now that it also can detect the misconfigurations, do you know if it kind of gives you the information through Azure Portal that when you provision WAF, that it would then tell you that, okay, I'm, I'm noticing this, this, and this, perhaps you want to configure this thing before you go live. Um, so before you go live, I, I haven't tried that because the way I've used WAF in the current implementations have been live for a long time. Uh, what it does come with though is um, some good integration points. And these integration points is, for example, to Azure Monitor. So the Azure Monitor will keep you up to date what's going on and here you will get all the logs and whatever. But even more interesting is you get app, um, integration with Azure Security Center. So here you can then help kind of prevent and detect and respond to these threats from the UI in the Azure portal. And you can see things like you have this many high or critical application threats or SQL and data or networking or compute or whatever it is. And in this case, then you can kind of bubble these things up in the UI uh, as well. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, I have never used WAF in a predictive way, if you will, where uh, I kind of ensure that everything is correctly configured before it goes live inside the WAF because the, the policies I apply with my WAFs are always pretty much the same and they're already verified and valid. Okay, so in 2005, uh, we got the first bits for ISA server, the Internet Security and Acceleration Server. I'm not sure if it was the first bits, but anyway, some stable bits anyway. And I was tasked in deploying that for a company I was working with at the time in 2005. And, and I ditched the Linux-based firewall. It was more like a packet filter they had at the time. I think it was called IP change. And I deployed ISA server and the initial rules that I got out of the box was deny all. So nothing would go through. You would have to define all the network interfaces, all the address translations, all the routing and bridging rules. And then you would still have to uh, 
define what actually gets through once the, that connectivity is in there. And when I started with web application firewall, what blew my mind was that I don't have to worry about all this anymore. I simply provision it and it has these rules built in, meaning the rules from the OWASP set of rules. And then I can also do my custom rules on top of this. So in a sense, uh, adding WAF later on is super easy. Uh, is there anything else I need to worry about? If I have an existing VNet or an existing web app, I just want the WAF up and running beyond clicking through that in Azure portal. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things that um, apply with WAF and, and WAF is, so that's the web application firewall. In order for that to be running, you create something called a WAF policy. So the WAF policy, that's where you say, I want these rules to be enabled. I want you know this behavior. I want to disallow or allow these things. Um, and what that also means is in order for the WAF to run, ideally you would want to have something like the application gateway um, or the Azure front door, which is kind of the load balancer type of thing that will apply the web application firewall rules. So if you do have your function API app, if you have a web app, whatever it is, you can tie that to, for example, Azure front door. And then the Azure front door itself can apply whatever policies, uh, ergo WAF policies that you want. So you kind of tie it to a load balancer and then the load balancer is tied to the firewall. And this is kind of the ideal scenario that I've seen uh, and that I set up. So all the requests gets routed to my load balancer, if that is application gateway or to Azure front door, which is kind of this global scale, um, you know, first line um, firewall uh, entry point, if you will, for my application. So all my WAF policies are applied at this level and I use global WAF policies. So there's a plethora of things happening at that point. I get my DNS tied to my Azure front door. Azure front door gets the request and then it verifies and validates that request against all the rules in the WAF policy. And it says, okay, this is valid you're routed back to the backend, not until that point, it actually reaches, uh, reaches my app service. So before that, my app service is not loaded at all. It's not getting any requests, but until it's verified all the way saying this is a legitimate, or at least we think this is a legitimate request, that's when it hits my web app. So already then I can filter out all these bad requests. Um, and you might've heard, um, a lot about bots, you know, crawlers and bad bots online and whatever. And there's actually a feature that as of the recording today is in preview. And that is also the kind of bots mitigation protection. So uh, a managed bots protection rule set that can enable um, on your WAF and that blocks or logs requests from known malicious IP addresses. Um, and that's pretty cool. So all these things that are, there's a huge plethora of botnets out there just trying to hammer all the endpoints it can find, including your website, whether you know that or not. And I see this, for example, on uh, most of our production workloads, but I also see it on uh, my own blog, for example, which is not even hosted in Azure. Uh, but I see the same thing. I'm protected with Cloudflare and their firewalls on that side, but I see the same thing. There's these botnets hammering, trying to uh, do things and trying to do SQL injection attacks and all these things. And I see the same thing in my Azure workloads in production, anything exposed really to the public. But as soon as I've deployed Azure front door, applied my global WAF policies or whatever policies I want, 
I start seeing that these things are getting either blocked or um, logged. And that kind of brings me to the point of the different modes you have for, for WAF. One is detection and the other one is prevention. So as the name implies, the detection mode, it kind of logs everything. So it can be a malicious request, but if you don't know if that's a false positive or not, and you're testing it out, then you can enable detection mode and say, whenever this happens, log it. Whenever that happens, log it. And then you can get your request log and you can verify each and every one of them, whether that's a legitimate threat or not. And when you make the decision saying, you know what, let's block all of these requests, then you move over to prevention mode. So that rule goes into the prevention mode. And instead, when that happens or when these criteria are met for that request, it's killed. It's blocked by default. So two different modes, detect or prevent. One is logging, one is blocking. Um, so that's pretty cool. And this also applies if you create your own rules, which you can do. And creating your own rule, because I mentioned there's SQL injection, there's cross-site scripting, and there's actually, if you go into the Azure portal and go to your web application, um, sorry, your WAF, web application firewall, you will see a long list of rules that it's automatically applying. But you can create your own. For example, if you have a super lockdown system that only accepts one specific request to your endpoint, which needs to include this query string with that value, um, you know, whatever it is, or from a specific IP range, or not from a specific IP range, or from a specific geolocation. You know, you can do a lot of things. Then you can say that I will add a rule now saying that any request coming this way is going to be blocked unless the header or the query string contains this thing or that API version or whatever it is. So you can easily control the entire uh, traffic flow, whether to allow that into your web app or not, just simply using the WAF policy. And if you use the CLI or whatever, I pretend uh, I uh, prefer to use the Azure portal because most of the things I have is running already in production. And you know these distributed services I have my one global WAF policies or a couple of policies. I can go in here, I can go to the monitoring, I can see if my new rules are being logged or not, and then I can determine if they're false positives and I can move over to prevention mode and I can implement new rules. And you know, doing this from the Azure portal for me is pretty, pretty straightforward and it's really nice. So with the WAF modes, the detect and prevent, uh, when you provision WAF, you get to select which one to go with you, you select one of those. Uh, I recall you can then change from detect to prevent and, and there's like a switch you can, you can flip on. Yeah, um, and this is, what I like about this is with the prevention mode, it, it kind of blocks the intrusions and attacks that the rules detects just like that. And I don't know how long it takes for that to take effect, but if I don't misrecall this, but I might want to look that up and put it in the show notes, but I think that has pretty immediate effect. So it's not like you switch and then you wait 24 hours, but it's you know, the next request pretty much is, is then handled in the way you just flagged. I All think. right. So, so now that I'm, I'm starting to use WAF, um, I typically need just one. So I could have one and then I, I might have one or multiple VNets and I secure traffic for, for those, those VNets as well. Uh, and for VMs, I can use WAF, and I can also use WAF for publishing services, just such as the APIs and, and whatnot. Um, 
Should we talk a bit about uh, using VAF with something else? So there's the opportunity to use VAF with front door service as well. And then there's the opportunity to use it with Azure CDN. And we already did one episode on Azure CDN. And I think you mentioned then that it was in preview that if we deploy WAF, you can also say, I want to use this with, with Azure CDN. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's pretty cool. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think we talked about that in the CDNS episode. So we can put that link also in the show notes in case you missed it. Uh, that's definitely an interesting episode to tune into, uh, learning how um, web application firewall can protect requests coming through the CDN as well. Um, so definitely. Uh, take a listen to that episode because we pretty much talk about that in detail there. And then there's also, like you mentioned, web application gateway. So if you use the web application gateway kind of as your load balancer and your, your entry point for, for things, uh, you get the same benefits. So whether you use the front door or app gateway, you know, that decision is a different decision. It's not a firewall as such decision. It's more of a load balancing and infrastructure and other decisions tying into that. Uh, but if you apply your WAF policy to whether application gateway, front door servers, or CDN, you get the same protection on the requests. So if you enable the same rule set or the same WAF policy for all of them, it's going to be the same protection, just with different features on the actual entry point, which is, in this case, perhaps then application gateway. And one thing that I like with um, using, for example, application gateway and, and, the, and using the WAF um, so with application gateway, for example, you can have 20 sites in a single WAF, all using different policies, but you have one application gateway. So you have your application gateway, one Azure um, web application firewall, and inside of it, you can say that I have policy one, two, three, four, up to 20, 40, whatever you want. And then each and every one of those can be tied to a specific website or endpoint that you have. So you, can, you don't have to set up a front door or an application gateway a web application firewall, a backend service, an API, and everything for every site you have, you can have one app gateway, which is kind of the entry point for everything. And then you just delegate the request depending on what type of request and you know what domain name it's coming in on or the request headers or what API endpoint you want to you know navigate further on with. You can make all these decisions at that point. But if your web application firewall policy is then applied, regardless if it's front door, app gateway, whatever, you know that most of the time the request will be valid coming through. Alrighty, so on pricing then, and often when you use different services in Azure, you, you obviously want to know what you're paying for and how much, because we don't have unlimited budgets in our Azure subscriptions. So I had a look at the pricing page and it's a little bit of a mess, so it took me a while to understand. So how much effectively would I be paying for having web application firewall up and running? So, so this is roughly how it goes. First, you choose the size. So you have small, medium, and large gateway types. So this is for application gateway. The small one in WAF mode is not available. So you have to go with medium or large. Medium application gateway with WAF enabled. Medium is about 86 euro a month. So this is for 24 seven execution. And the large one is about 308 euros per month. So th there's a sizable difference between medium and large. Yeah. And so, so that's the price. Do you also pay for some services? You also pay for usage or data? Do you do that here as well? Yeah, you do. So this is just uh, what you pay for having WAF 
running. Uh, and then you pay for data processing. So the first 10 terabytes of uh, traffic is free for medium and large. And the subsequent 30 terabytes is 0.0068 euro per gigabyte. Or if you are on large, then it's free essentially. But now it gets a little bit messier now. So if you choose to go with VAF version 2, which is the newer version and gives you added flexibility and scalability, then it has a fixed price. So you forget all about the small, medium, large. And the VAF version 2 has a fixed price of 39 cents per hour or about 288 euro per month. And then you have capacity units. So VAF version 2 is fixed, 288, plus you pay for capacity units, which come up to about 9 euro per month per capacity unit. So with pricing, I, I mean, all my firewalls are 100% always on 24-7, but I know you can also disable a WAF policy or, or a WAF. Does that mean pricing stops? Do you know this? For data processing, obviously it stops. Yeah. But if you have WAF version 2, you either need to destroy it, and then effectively you're not paying for anything. But if it's up and running, even if you don't have any rules in there, you still end up sort of paying 288 a month. That's my understanding. Yeah. And there's an FAQ on the pricing page, but it's super short. So normally on Microsoft pages, when you have an FAQ, there's like 27 different questions and answers and additional links. Here, it was three questions and it didn't really give me that much extra. So for now, I'm under the assumption that if I go with VAF version 2, I pay about 288 or 300 a month, plus a few euro for the capacity units. If I go with application gateway with VAF, which then is VAF version 1, I choose between medium or large, medium 86, large 308. All right. It's a little bit of a mess with the pricing, at least to try and understand it. Um, but I mean, it, I'm using it for a couple of production workloads that accepts quite some requests and it's very negligible compared to the other costs I have running big workloads. Yeah, and obviously on paper, 288 a month for a firewall service might seem steep, but at the same time, if you want to do it yourself, you need two VMs, so that, that easily comes up to 150, plus configuring operations, everything else that now comes readily available with VAF. So in a way, I would say it's affordable, but still, it's about 3,000 euro a, a year for running VAF. So you need to factor this in into your calculations. Yeah, but it, it's like, um, you know, I've, I've written a couple of blog posts about cybersecurity and how to protect your code and protect your resources and other things. And it's security is not an afterthought. You have to plan for it. And it's better to eat a cost of 3,000 euro per year, knowing that you have top of the line defense for all your endpoints versus you know, thinking about security when it's too late. Oh, we have been breached, we have leaked the data, our web applications are crashed, or databases are deleted, whatever. It's a bit too late because the cost is gonna be a lot more than 3,000 euros at that point. For sure. So that was pricing. Um, anything else we missed? We went through <laughs> what WAF is, we had a look at the WAF modes, some of the capabilities and the deployment modes with application gateway, front door, and CDN. 
and when do I use WAF? The pricing, did we miss on anything crucial? <laughs> yes. Oh, man, I have such a long list of things I want to talk about today, but I also realize time is kind of running up, and I don't think anyone wants their ears to bleed out, uh, me just talking about these things. But one key feature that I forgot to kind of brief on is Azure Sentinel integration. We had an episode a couple of uh, weeks back with Martin, where he came in as a guest and talked about Azure Sentinel and how this SSEM can uh, help stay help you stay more secure in, in the cloud. And with the Azure WAF or Web Application Firewall, this natively integrates with a connector to Azure Sentinel. So all the application gateway firewall events, for example, they will be bubbled up and you can see them in Azure Sentinel. So if you're in the game of threat hunting or you're investigating or want to explore logs of things, you can do that also from Azure Sentinel. So you don't have to go to a separate place for your WAF to see those things. But if you live, you know, you live and breathe inside of Azure T Sentinel, then you can use that and bubble up everything in there as well. Pretty cool. And for Azure security, now that the kind of big picture is, is becoming more clear, you need to understand Azure AD and its security tools. You need to know WAF, you need to do Azure Sentinel and Azure Security Center. So that's a lot. And this is just the basic services to get started with. All righty. So yep. the last bit, word of the day, we learn a bit of Swedish and Finnish. Uh, would you like to start with the Swedish one? Yeah. Um... So I, I was thinking a bit, you know, what would be a representative of a, you know, a core Swedish word. And I, I actually asked around uh, the older generations or so my parents and their, uh, their friends and, you know, in, in other circles than, than what we use today. And there's an old saying uh, in Sweden, it goes like this. And the literal translation is now the boiled pork is fried. And I'm not sure where it comes from, but the the meaningful translation would be, oh, you're in deep trouble. Um, so instead of saying you're in deep trouble, we say, now the boiled pork is fried, or and this comes from, you know, the circles of my parent and, and you know, that kind of generation born in the 50s. Okay, I've, I've never heard this, so let me try. Uh, yeah, there you go. If you ever come to Sweden, which, I mean, you live pretty close, so I'm sure you will, you know, just when someone does something that annoys you, you just raise your hand very gently, slightly in a Swedish way, and you say, they will, you will just instill respect into them right there on the spot. I'll definitely do this. And the Finnish version, um, the Finnish word, I tried to pick something that's not as challenging as the one I, I had last time, but this is a bit of a challenge as well, even for a native speaker like myself. So let me let me say it first, then I'll explain what it means. <laughs> Did you base 64 encrypt that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. So... So what it means, this is the wedding night intention news announcement, meaning okay. that perhaps you are a celebrity and you want to announce that, yes, we are getting married. And then you might announce that our wedding night will be so-and-so, meaning our marriage will happen so-and-so. So this is the intention, intentional news on the intention of having a wedding night. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, can you say that word again? Yes, 
Häyäjäuutinen. Häyäjäuutinen. Close, close, super close. <laughs> Perhaps not 100%. But yeah, I'm, I'm but I, I, I also realize we do not need to use this too often. But as I promised when we got started with the episode, uh, if you tweet and use the hashtag Häyäjäuutinen, and tag me and Toby. Let's see what what versions we're actually getting. So for the first three who will tweet about and mention this, Häyäjäuutinen, Toby and myself there, uh, I'll make sure to send the first three a sticker package. And the stickers are amazingly cool. Yeah, so you sure got to work for those stickers. You know, get, <laughs> yeah. Getting that, I don't, I don't think Grammarly can help you here. <laughs> no, no, no help on that or the new Microsoft editor either. Alrighty, so that's all we have for now on Web Application Firewall. Thanks for tuning in. All right, see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned.